Yeah, good morning, everyone. Um, you know, this morning has been such a blessing. And actually, when everyone's speaking, uh, this verse just came uh, to mind. And it's from Psalms 132. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down the collar of his robes. Yeah, so it's just so blessed um, uh, with the meeting. But today, as Al says, yes, I'll be continuing in Acts. You know, we've been looking at Acts and uh, the early church and what they've been doing. But today we're going to be looking in Acts 9, and it will be from verse 1 to 9. And it is um, Saul's conversion. So I'll just read. So meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hand on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell off, fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Amen. So today, um, looking at this conversion of Saul, I think I want us to look at the amazing truth that we sometimes forget. That God chooses us. That we are on this Zoom call, that we are gathered here today because God has chosen us. Every single one of us here has been chosen by God. And if we see in verse 15, sorry, just to read it again, 
the Lord said to Ananias, Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. And this was the response uh, of Ananias. He, you know, he had reservations about going to Paul. Ananias informs Jesus that this soul he was sending him to had done a lot of harm to the Lord's people. This soul was a zealous persecutor of Jesus's followers. And the reason Saul was traveling hundreds of miles to Damascus was to seek out Christians so you could have them imprisoned. This heartless soul had pursued both men and women and didn't care that he broke families up or that people were killed. This soul had approved the killing of Stephen. Lord, is this the man that you want to send me to? And Jesus responds that Saul is his chosen instrument. Yes, Jesus chose Paul, Saul, a violent, hatred-filled persecutor of his followers. We know from this that Paul was, I mean, Saul, sorry, I'll say Paul, Saul, but it's the same person. Saul was not seeking Jesus. We know that very well. Yet Jesus sought him out. Saul was doing quite the opposite, actually. He was destroying Jesus' followers. Saul was doing everything in his power and by the authority that um, the chief priests had given him to hand down Jesus' followers. He was a Pharisee, greatly opposed to Jesus. Going through, as I was reading and going through um, John's gospel, I saw how hostile the Pharisees were towards Jesus. You know, they were always seeking to have him arrested or have him killed. In fact, Saul was so self-righteous and probably did not see the need to have Jesus save him. Yet Jesus tells Ananias that I have chosen Saul and he is my chosen instrument. Jesus seeks us out and chooses us. Therefore, no one is far removed from the reach of the Lord's arm. God's grace is exceedingly vast and abundant. Even the worst of sinners, as Saul describes himself in 1 Timothy, cannot use up or leave a deficit in the grace that is available to us all. Our capacity to sin is no match for God's capacity to save us. Nothing you've done is beyond God's saving. Salvation is by God's sovereign will and God can convert anyone he chooses. And we see that when Saul encounters Jesus and asks in verse five, who are you, Lord? You know, Jesus is so gracious and loving towards Paul. In Acts 22, eight, he replies, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. And we know from the Bible that Nazareth was a place that people looked down upon. Nathaniel in John 1, 46, um, asks, can anything good come from Nazareth when he was told about Jesus? And yet when Jesus reveals himself to the well-educated, self-righteous, Jewish, Roman soul, he identifies himself with the lowly and despised of Nazareth. Now Saul, faced with the risen Christ, the invisible, the eternal, the creator God of the universe is humbled 
You know, I can only imagine what it was like for Saul. Maybe he was scared. He could have been shocked. And even just the realization of his spiritual blindness must have been, I don't know, terrible for him. You know, he had a humbling conviction of his sin. And in that moment, God destroyed everything that Saul held dear and revealed himself as everything that Saul hoped for. And I hope this encourages us because this is good news for us. And this is reassurance for us um, that should get us excited. You know, salvation is divine. It is from God. Jesus in John 16, sorry, in John 15, verse 16, I'll read, says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my, my name, the Father will give you. The truth uh, is that we are chosen. Uh, and this should give us hope and a confidence. And I just wonder today, are any of you struggling? Are any of you struggling? Is it with sin or just feeling hopeless or feeling, do I actually measure up? Do you struggle with believing that you're saved? Are you in despair about a loved one that you've been praying for for years and years and you feel it's impossible? This person, how is it even possible that this person can get saved? You know, are you hurting? Are you heartbroken? Are you seeking Jesus? Do you feel all alone? What is it? You know, the good news is that God loves us. God deeply loves us and he chooses us. And it's not by our efforts, our talents, our goodness, but it is his goodness that God rescues us. It is because of his grace and no one, absolutely no one is beyond God's saving. And I'm just going to read from Ephesians 1. Verse 4, and it says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. We are his chosen ones. Every single one of us is chosen. You know, thank God our salvation is not up to us, but it's up to him. He is not depending on us to save ourselves or to keep being saved but we can depend on the sovereign grace that God has towards us. And then, you know, we can ask and say, okay, then if God chooses us, then really is there a need for us to be sharing the gospel? And the answer is yes. And the first thing is that we do go and share the gospel because the sovereign Lord instructs us to go and share his gospel. And also the second thing is, there are many reasons, but I'll just say three. And the second thing is that God chooses to work through us to bring about his sovereign plan. What an awesome privilege that the creator of the universe would use us in his sovereign plans. You know, in the passage that we've just read in Acts about Saul's conversion, Ananias um, was used by God in his sovereign plan to save Paul. Could God have saved Paul without Ananias getting involved? 
absolutely. Yet God chose to use Ananias to pray for him and to lay hands on him. Even Saul was then used by God to bring others to salvation. Um, Jesus in verse 15 of the passage says, he is my chosen vessel to proclaim the gospel to the Gentiles, their kings, and to the people of Israel. And the third thing, when we read in Ephesians 1.6, it says to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. So God chooses us because he wants us to proclaim the good news of the gospel so that we can get to share in his joy when somebody is saved. He does all the work, but we get to also share in the joy of somebody being saved and all and glorify him as well. So I guess um, just to kind of uh, finish off, I think the main thing is that we should just be encouraged with this simple truth and this foundational truth that God has chosen us. So brothers and sisters, be encouraged and reassured that we are chosen because he loves us. Everything we are is rooted in God, in God loving and choosing us. Our hope, our faith, our confidence, the gifts that we have are a result of God's grace in our lives. I know it is all such a mystery about God's sovereignty, how he chooses, but we are in no doubt about his love for us. God works faith in us, enabling us to freely choose him. We get to be in relationship with the living God. What an awesome privilege. And the second uh, thing is we should then go boldly for our God is with us. You know, in verse four, uh, um, Jesus asks, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And um, this just shows us that Jesus is not far off, but he is God with us. An attack on us is an attack on God. He is with us through the joy. He's with us through the pain. And at salvation, we became members of his body and he is our head. Jesus is our defender and our protector. Jesus gives us a new relationship with the believers. Even if you just think of Paul, he could have been easily ostracized uh, by the followers of Jesus. He had been persecuting the followers. He had even approved the killing of um, Stephen. Yet God joins him with his followers. Ananias, when he lays hands on Saul, he calls him Brother Saul. We know that Paul spends time in Damascus and he's hosted by the believers there. And this is true for us today as well. In God, we have a family to share, encourage, and to grow with. So I guess in closing, uh, I just want to read um, from Apostle Paul's letter to the Romans, and I'll be reading uh, from chapter 10, verse 8 to 15, just before we close. And it, re and it says, the word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning the faith you proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, 
that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Um, so if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, or you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or you're thinking, who is this Jesus? How can I get to know him more? He is here. And the very fact that you're here, he is calling you to himself. And then also, I also want to speak to those people um, who are here, who confess and they say, yes, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. But right now I'm struggling. Right now I feel so far off. You know, I'm struggling in my faith. I'm despairing and it could be for any reason. I want you to be reassured today that God sees you and that God loves you. And it says, you know, in Philippians, that he who has begun a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. And if I just finish off reading uh, in Romans 10 from verse 14, how then can they call the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? How can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You know, God calls us all to be willing and available like Ananias. You know, when God calls Ananias, he says, here I am, Lord. And we know that he had some reservations, but he was still available and willing to go. And we see that even when God saves Saul, he saves him for purpose. And so he has saved us all for his purposes and for his glory. So the invitation is also for us that God is calling us to be part of his sovereign plan to save his people who he dearly loves. Um, yeah, so that, that the call is also for us to share in God's sovereign plan. Um, thank you. I think I'll just end just by praying. Lord, I want to thank you, Lord, for reminding us of your truth. That, Lord, you have chosen us. That you love us. That is not by anything we could have done or not done, but it's just by your grace and the love that you have for us. Lord, I pray for those people that are here today that are asking questions, that are saying, yes, who is this Jesus of Nazareth? I want to get to know more about this Jesus of Nazareth. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would open up their eyes and their hearts to receive you. And even just by asking that question, God is drawing himself, is drawing you towards him. And then, Lord, I also want to pray for those who are feeling discouraged, who are feeling hurt or who are feeling lonely or are just in a place where they feel hopeless. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen them 
and that you would place people alongside them, Lord, to walk with them and to strengthen them. And Lord, I also pray that you would embolden us and you would send us, Lord, for your sovereign plan to bring salvation, to bring your good news to all, to the ends of the earth. Lord, we glorify you and we magnify you. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and do a work in all our hearts this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your love and your faithfulness. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.